Welcome to Build an Iconic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Whitehead, and this podcast is dedicated to help you build a life with zero regrets by focusing on how you have everything you need to stand up, stand out, and live life on your terms. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Build an Iconic Life podcast. I'm here with uh, one of my really, really good friends, Trevor Cowley. And um, we were in the back room and I was literally getting goosebumps and I had to just say, shut up for a minute, man. We got to like, I just got to hit record and let's go on this thing because you are rolling. I want you to know this man has brought himself back from the ashes. If he cares to talk about that, he can. (laughs) He and his business partner have built an eight-figure business that they are literally in the process of growing to a nine-figure business. He is someone, when I first met him, rubbed me completely sideways, and he still, look at the smile on his face. He enjoys doing it because he is not the temperature. He is the thermostat in a room that he goes into and he knows it and he commands it. And I want you all to listen to what he's going to talk about today, because this will not just help you in business. This will help you in life. And Trev, bro, I'm really, really grateful that you've taken time out of your day to come talk to my audience about how to live a better life and what we came in on. And the reason I brought like started recording immediately is because we were talking about this thing called purpose. And Trev, you you care to like go back? And, yeah, and yeah, no, yeah. Let's let's address it. Let's address it because that's something that you know for me, like it just it's just a, a an overarching theme in my life because I, I I you know everybody's on social media these days and everyone's talking about purpose, purpose, purpose. You know, and I believe individuals' purpose is to be the best version of themselves. And as long as you're exhausting all options that you will feel fulfillment. What you're doing is you're missing fulfillment. So therefore you're chasing this thing called purpose. You know, your purpose is to live an example life for your children, for everybody in your environment. Look, man, I, you said, you you said, Hey man, you know, he, he has a past, he's rose from the ashes, whatever, whatever. Like the idea is, is to make sure that the hundred percent that you're operating at today runs circles around the hundred percent that you were last year, And then the year after your hundred percent should be a lot greater than the hundred percent of today. Right. And so look, man, I I grew up really, really poor and, and I'm a big, big believer in environments. What happens when you grow up poor? What type of an environment is that? What, what do the statistics say? You know, you're probably going to do terrible in school. You're probably going to get in some trouble with the police. You're probably going to become a drug addict, right? Weird. I became a product of my environment and honored those statistics, right? I hung out with the wrong people because that was the environment I was in. You know, I didn't care for school because in poverty, nobody says go to school, go to school, go to school, right? And then when you're hanging out with the wrong people, the wrong substances are available, right? I went down the wrong path. Like for me, if somebody has an excuse, I don't really care to hear it because I've watched my mom cry to the utility department, begging them to turn the lights back on and they'll pay 50 bucks on Friday because she's got seven kids as, as the candles are burning in our house just for light, right? Like, 
um, powdered milk. You know, I go get water and scoop it like it's a protein shake just to make my milk. Right. And, and the system told me I was dumb because I went to school. My mom one time in one quarter in high school, I didn't get an F. They were like all D's besides like uh, P.E. and like weight training. Those were obviously A's. Right. Those were two things that I really, really enjoyed doing. But the system told me I was an idiot, man. And so I, I started to actually believe that I was an idiot. It wasn't that I was an idiot. I just wasn't built for that type of a system. It didn't it didn't capture my attention. It didn't excite me. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I like to I like movement. Right. I like to communicate with people. I like building relationships. I like pushing myself in, in, in what way does school teach any of that? Right. And so outside of school, I became a landscaper. You know, I started landscaping because I thought, hey, you know, this is this is my sentence for life. Right. I, all I am is I'm a grunt. You know, I'll carry the sod and I'll dig the holes and I'll and I'll put the sprinklers in until there was a moment that I had a buddy that I went to high school with. that was also an idiot based upon the system. Right. That went into cells. And he says, dude, I'm making like fifteen hundred bucks a week. And I said, there's no way, bro. I'm waking up at like 4.30 in the morning, digging holes and stuff and making like 300 a week. Because back in the day when I was young, it was like seven bucks an hour was like minimum wage. So eight, nine bucks an hour was great, right? And so I said, what the hell? What do I have to lose? I can always be a grunt, you know? And I pulled up the first day and I saw nice vehicles and I said, this is it. This is literally my way out. Like as a young kid, it hit me. It hit me like either you're very, very smart and you could utilize your brain to create financial security. Okay. Or you could utilize money. I knew I didn't have brains. And I knew that when I saw sales, I'm like, dude, I love talking to people and I love communicating. I'm going to go all in on this thing and get really, really good at it. And I'm going to save as much money as I possibly can, which I went into it doing that. And then in sales, a guy said, Hey, why don't you want to get in the phone zone? I said, what's the phone zone, man? Oh, yeah. He said, hey, dude, take this pill. And I said, what's that? He says, it's kind of like a Laura tab. It's called an Oxycontin. When I was 19 years old, it wasn't it wasn't relevant, right? Like it was brand, brand new. Nobody knew the dangers of it. And I took it and I liked it and I started making more money. And then I wanted more and then more and then more. And then next thing you know, I'm out of money and I don't care about sales anymore. And when you're out of money, you know, other things start presenting themselves. Hey, did you know that heroin is a lot cheaper and does the exact same thing? And I said, no, nah, dude, I ain't a crackhead. Within a month or two, I said, I, hey, I'll try anything. Right. Because it, it just got it got it got very bleak. And I was still I, I, I became an addict, not even knowing I was becoming an addict. And then next thing you know, somebody says, you know, if you put that in a needle, you get more bang for your buck. So by the time I was 20 years old, I was putting a needle in my arm every single day till the time I was 24 years old. Mm. Right. And so the reason why I bring that up is because I, I, I became a product of the environments that I was putting myself in. The question that I have for you is what environments are you putting yourself in? What environments are you creating for yourself that are of growth that forces you to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. Like I know for a fact, if I was born um, in the UK, I'd have an accent. 
I would be a product of that environment. I started reading books about the brain and, and how the brain is just, just a machine that loves, you know, habits. And so if I started curating or creating these environments that I put myself in, I can actually create who I become as an individual, right? And so I started trying to control everything that I possibly could from that moment forward. I wanted to get more, more spiritual, right? There was a year that I was like, you know, I, I, I'm good financially. You know, I feel like I'm pretty good physically, but I don't have a relationship with God like I think I should have a relationship with God. So what did I commit to? I committed to listening to only Christian music, and I did that for six months straight. I'm talking about in the gym, in the car. I, I curated an environment that would do exactly what I wanted it to do, put the information into my mind to where I could get closer to God, where I could become more spiritual as an individual, right? And so I also create environments for my physical because I, I got to a point where I realized, I'm like, man, I'm making a lot of money. I have a million bucks in the bank. I'm making seven figures a year. I have a decent physique, but I still get down and out in the winter times. Why is that? Because I, because just because I was showing up to the gym every single day, doesn't mean that that was a challenge for me anymore. That was my new normal. So when it, when, when it's so normal and you're not being challenged, you're not seeing progress just because you're going through the checklist and you're doing what all the successful people tell you to do. Doesn't mean that you're going to feel fulfillment. You're going to feel whole as an individual or happy. Happiness is just progress. Happiness is overcoming the old version of yourself. And in order to overcome the old version of yourself, it requires friction. It requires adversity. So again, I had to say, okay, dude, what's the deal? That's why this year, you can call me two a day, Trev. Because every day this entire year, 11 months straight, I haven't missed. Two a days every single day. And guess what? Initially, it just started with working out. And then going for a walk, 75 hard type stuff, right? Yeah. And then it got about six months in and I'm like, this is now just again, my new normal. It's no longer challenging for me. And, and, and I wasn't feeling the fulfillment that I felt when I started earlier in the year doing the two a days. Okay. And so what I decided to do is turn it up a notch, make it more difficult. At that point, I started committing, hey, I'm going to lift in the morning and then I'm going to run in the afternoon and I'm going to run as far as I possibly can. I'm going to exhaust myself so that I can shed the old version of me. The old version of me doesn't want to do that. You can ask 100 people in a room how many people want to go running. There's only going to be one or two hands that come up. It's yeah. miserable for everybody. I can go to the gym and enjoy it and go through the motions. You can't go through the motions on a 15 mile run. You're going to find that voice in your head that says, pull back, stop, quit. I'm in pain. And, and when you push through that, you're letting your mind know who's in the driver's seat. And I, um, I sent you a uh, text message. Uh, this is what I was looking for while you were talking. Cause I wanted you to, and you just brought it up, but I just want to let everybody know that this isn't, Trevor's not telling you this because he's on a podcast and he's being positive and he's trying to, you know, sound important. The man lives this way because uh, 
I sent him a text message and I said, uh, a birdie told me that you said going to the gym for leg day is something I love to do. So instead I run because I fucking hate it. Lean into what's hard. Now, how cool is that? Your message finds me and you didn't even say it to me. Keep doing you, brother. I'm proud of you. This is what you said in response. If you shy away from something because you hate it, it owns you. I own me and my mind and I'll put it through hell to show it who to show it who's in the driver's seat. And then you go, can't wait to chat, bro. I'll have to get a run in, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was literally getting ready to strap up, put my shoes on, and go get some as we were texting that morning, right? Um, you know, what? what's today? Friday? I mean, I ran 15 miles to start my day on Wednesday, right? Um, and it's, it, it's, yeah, yeah, you'll find some euphoria in there. Yeah, you'll get a runner's high here and there. But I run past that, right? I purposely put my, my here's the deal. When I wasn't putting myself through physical misery, I would have mental misery. Mm. When I put myself through physical misery, I own my mind. Mm. And that's the that's the that's the difference, right? We all seek ease and comfort physically. We'd rather sit on the couch, but what happens? Your mind turns against you, and that's why mental health is is declining. That's why we have depression at an all-time high. Medications are at an all like Dude, it's because they're not utilizing their body to take control of their mind. I believe that we're all going to experience pain regardless. Yep. That's just life. The, the question is, is it based upon your own doing? Are you controlling the pain or is the pain coming down on you? Because if you actually own the pain and you take an hour or two out of your day and you put yourself in extreme, miserable type situations. And when your mind chirps at you, you don't pull back. You let it know who's in control. So throughout the day, when you're not doing it, your mind knows who's in control. It doesn't matter if it wants to bark at you because it knows when it barks at you, it doesn't do any good. So I had to put myself in miserable situations over and over and over and over and then purposely not listen to the voice when it was telling me to pull back so that I was training it, not it trying to control me or train me to take it easy. Right. And so either you'll have the pain of your mind turning against you, or you can have the pain of going out there and exerting yourself physically and making it scream at you on purpose, creating that environment to let it know who's in control. And that's and how you do anything is how you do everything. And what you did is you turn pain into an asset producing thing anyway, because if all your mind does is turn against you folks, all it's going to do is knock you down two rungs until you're back down to your 20%. And, and so exactly. success leaves clues. The man's rich as fuck. They're big ass company. He's told you his come to story and he didn't stop once success quote unquote hit him. He understood how it felt said, this is not how I got here and I'm not going to get to where I want to go by doing what I did here. And he found ways to put himself into growth mode. And you just, you've never stopped, have you? <laughs> I just did. It, it gets to the point if you get, so here's the deal. If somebody tries to actually live this life, you're going, going to go into a dark, dark place. Yep. You will go into a dark hole. And you will be with your mind and you and your mind will literally beat you down and beat you down and make you question yourself. 
But it was in those moments that I broke myself down to a foundation to where I could rebuild a completely new individual. So if, when you're in a dark hole, what do most people do? They pull back, they call their friends, they go out and they revert back to their old version of self because it's familiar and it's comfortable. You have in order to change, like they always say, again, you know, on these success pages, you've got to give up your old life to create a new one. In order to give up your old life, you're going to go through a period of what was to try to get to what is. And there's a big no man's land in between it. The beautiful thing about it, it's in those moments, in those dark, dark places in no man's land that you really stop giving a shit about the opinions of other people. The only reason why you give a, a shit about opinions of other people is because you don't have a strong enough opinion of self. You don't have enough control over self. So you seek external validation. When you're willing to sit in a dark pit and sit in a hole of pain and misery and forge this individual, you stop giving a shit about everybody else because you feel good about you. You feel fulfilled. And that's the most important thing. Look, I was in good shape. I made good money and I still found myself, you know, depressed or whatever. Again, it's just because the, I was going through the motions. Yes, I was waking up and going. It wasn't difficult. I have to live an extremely difficult life. I'm an addict straight up. Like we talked about this before getting on the podcast. I'm either a locomotive that's unstoppable or I'm an absolute train wreck. It just is what it is, man. I got four DUIs on my record for a reason. Like I have to be doing something and it's whether or not I control those environments or whether those environments control me, whether I try to seek external validation or whether I really want true fulfillment for self. You will never have true fulfillment for self if you don't ever go into a dark hole and, and get rid of the entire world for a period of time, not even give a shit and forge the individual, okay, that can come out on top no matter what the situation is. It, it all comes down to this. Your mindset builds, builds the skill set. The reason why you don't own an eight-figure business is because you the mindset. The reason why your relationship ain't good, it's a mindset. The reason why your physical ain't good is because it's a mindset. You don't have control over this. Every single time it gets difficult, it controls you, not the other way around. And that's the biggest issue that I see today. Everybody wants to post other people like motivational shit. Like I was thinking about that just two days and I wrote myself an email about it because every time I have a thought, I type up an email and I send it to myself. Like, and it's like, man, I was scrolling through and everybody's sharing cool, awesome, cool stuff, you know? And it just hit me. I'm like, holy fuck, man. People are getting their dopamine hits just looking at other people living a good life. And then they share it and they this. And it, and it feels good to be a part of the success space, but they're not actually fucking living it, dude. Right. Like they share motivational shit, but are you living a motivational life, an example life? Like, dude, I ran 38 miles on my 38th birthday. Just like I wanted to celebrate life by doing something that the old version of me couldn't do. Not <laughs> fucking drink beer, not to eat ice cream, not to fucking eat cake. Like I wanted to prove myself that I'm getting better with age. And guess what happened after I, and I took my, I took my six-year-old on that. He was in the RV and he was able to get out, run the last few miles with me. Guess what he said after that? 
hey, dad, when I turn seven in a couple months, I want to run seven miles for my seventh birthday. So guess what we did October 26th? We ran seven miles on his seventh birthday. My daughter, she says, well, if Major's going to do it, I want to run 13 miles on my 13th birthday. On November 19th, we ran a half marathon together, 13.1 miles. She broke down in tears at mile nine. She buckled. And I pull, I look, I'm, we're running, everything's good, you know, and I look over and her tears are coming up. And I pull her off to the side and say, whoa, 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 what's going on? I my, I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm broke. Like she was physically exhausted. The furthest she's gone prior to that was seven miles. So she was already two miles past her furthest when I, when I was training with her to get her, get her ready. And I pulled her off to the side and I said, look, this is it. We ran nine miles to get to here to shed the old version of you, your old limitations. Like this is what it's all about. Everybody else right here will quit and give up because your brain is chirping at you. You're in tears. I hugged her and I gave her a kiss and I said, let's get to that tree. She was thinking about the four miles that she had left. It was absolutely overwhelming to her mentally. Okay. We ran to the tree. We walked a little bit and I said, let's run to that corner. We ran to the corner, walked a little bit. Let's run to that car, ran to the car. We were eating the elephant one bite at a time at that point. We were chipping away at it. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful moment to share with my daughter to finally get to the finish line and <laughs> the whole way home. Oh man, oh, I feel so, thank you so much, dad. I couldn't have done it without you. And I said, that's bullshit because you did it. You could have done it without me. I said, the problem is you haven't, you don't have your mind under control yet. Right now, the heckler in your mind is in control. I took over and became your cheerleader in that moment. I've put myself in enough tough situations where now I'm my biggest cheerleader. I shut the heckler mind up and start motivating myself when things get hard. Too many people give an ear to the heckler when life gets hard or when business gets hard or when the relationship gets hard or when the bed is warm in the morning. The heckler says, hey, man, you're good. No, I ain't good. I would rather live the pain of change than the pain of remaining the same. When you get so down and depressed because you had hopes that making millions of dollars was going to solve all your problems and it didn't, that's painful. Because at least on the journey to making millions, there was hope. But once you actually attain it, the hope is gone and you're left with you, an unfulfilled rich person. I had to, that, that was the evaluation point that I had to finally say, I got to get good with me. It's not just about money. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be, I want to be good with Trevor. I don't need to, be, I don't need to play a part on social or do this or do that so that I can be good with everybody else. Cause we've all done that. We're all guilty of it. Look, man, there, there, there was a there was a period of time that all I wanted was recognition from, you know, the Ed Milets or the Andy Frisellas. And it's like I'm doing and saying the things that I that everybody else is saying 
to try to get recognition, hoping they share some of our clips or some of this. I don't give a fuck if they ever do that anymore. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all because now I'm happy and I'm fulfilled. Trevor is the best version of Trevor that he could possibly be today. And because I'm doing that and I stopped caring about everything else, guess what? I inspired my kids along the way. That is what's called living an example life. I haven't watched a fucking basketball game, a soccer game, a football game, a baseball game in two fucking years. Because I'm investing in areas that give me a forever ROI. Hmm. Being with my kids, I'm not going to regret that in five years. Being out beating my freaking body into the pavement, I'm not going to regret that in five years. Reading the book, I'm not going to regret that in five years. I won't know who the fuck won the game or not in five <laughs> years from now. It, ha it, it doesn't move the needle in the areas that I say are of importance. Everybody says, oh, man, I, family, fitness, faith. Da, 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 da. But they, they, like if we if we didn't have voices and we could just watch each other's actions. Mm. Right. Like do your like if we're just completely mute. Could somebody follow you around for a week and literally write down what your priorities are? Or are you just saying their priorities because that's what sounds good? I'm doing all this for my family, but yet you don't really live a, an inspiring life. You come home exhausted, you know, beat up mentally, uh, financially broken, uh, and your kids see that. Like, what, a, what an ins inspiration. I want to be like you when I grow up. I tell my kids all the time, average is fucking miserable. When I was average, I was depressed. Yes. The misery of average is greater than the misery of a 15 mile run. That, that, that's just, that's how I equate it. Regardless, we're going to all face misery. It's whether it's on your own accord or whether it's just because you're an average motherfucker. Unfortunately, <clears throat> You can't lie about that, can you? And when we face that reality, when we face that truth, that's being in that hole. I've you been got in that hole. yourself, dude. Like, yeah. I don't, like, dude, it would be great to have Andy or Ed say, good job. Dude. But guess what? That dopamine hit's going to be gone next it's week. Gone. Right? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I still got to go to bed with this fucking mind that night. You know, I wrote a post today and I said, um, everybody always says I'm coming for everything they said I couldn't have. And I said, you know, that's a really good quote. We all like it, right? Yeah. Well, I used to really like it until I stopped liking it. So I was standing outside last night, looking up at the stars, it's fucking cold out. And I said, nah, that's a zero sum game. I'm coming for everything that I said I couldn't have. Because that's the real game. We live in a world of one, and people don't realize that. We try to inundate ourselves with social media. We try to inundate ourselves with what the Joneses are doing and what happiness looks like. But we're not asking ourselves the questions that you're asking right here. Are you willing to suffer? If you are willing to, willing to suffer, what I found is that you get to choose that suffering. And if you're unwilling to suffer, what I find is you're a victim to suffering all the time. And bro, you, I can, you've taken it up a notch since the last time we talked. Oh yeah. 
I mean, a notch. Oh yeah. And you, you were, you're not, you're just unwilling to accept. And you always have been this way since I've known you, but you're unwilling to accept average on any level now. I don't want it, dude. I don't want it. Average can stay the fuck away from me, bro. I don't, I don't get it. And I don't understand it because when, when, when I was good in one area of my life and there was other areas that were just still average, I was still miserable. And that's why it was important for me to identify literally like, what are my priorities? And, and when I said like, Hey man, like I'm good here, here, I need to get better with my faith, my spirituality. So I created an environment to do that. Like I mess around with people in the gym. They're like, dude, what do you listen to? And I'm like, bro, I know that I know you might have a spotter, but he ever had God spot you Jesus <laughs> in your ear, homie. Like I can lift whatever, you know, they're like, dude, you're not listening to like gospel, like Christian music. And I'm like, bro, bullshit, bullshit. Like I can literally pull up right now on my phone. The number one song that I listen to um, on Spotify. It's uh call on your name. And that's a that's a that's a Christian song, basically calling on God's name. Right. Yep. That was the number one song that I listened to this year because I was dude over and over. literally uh, I have a, a playlist. It's called Be All Right. And it's just full of like Christian music. And so, like, I just everyone talks a big freaking game, bro. Like I, 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 I got to the point earlier this year. I was so I told like my the media manager and me like I might just get off social media, dude. Like, cause everyone's talking about it. Like, yes, there's some actual real, real players out there, but a lot of people just like talking about it, dude. Like, and I'm like, dude, I want to bury my fucking face into the ground and not give a fuck about what anybody else is doing. Like, and that's a great place to be to where like, I don't care anymore about how many likes or comments or this or that, or whether I please people or whether I'm saying the right things. Like, I'm just, I'm living a life where I feel good about me and like that there's nothing better than that. And I just hope that if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, it's like evaluate self. Like, dude, I don't go out with homies. Like I don't, I, I don't, I don't kick it like period. Like the only time I kick it, kick it is if homies are coming to get some misery with me. Like <laughs> my, my boy, Danny blue and Andrew Ammons came up uh, exactly one month ago, November 2nd. We ran 30 miles together and it was, they got in the car and went back to Vegas. Like I work out alone. I want to, I want this in, in control. And anytime that I'm doing this and look, man, I know myself, I'm self-aware. And when I go to a big gym and there's lots of people, I can get to Gavin with the best of them. So I'm literally like, I, I, I joined a more expensive gym. That's kind of a hole in the wall type gym. Um, but there's only about 10 or 12 people there in the morning. So I'm creating an environment to where <laughs> the old version of me, um, you know, it, it's not a playground, right? Like the old version of me can't come out like the, uh, like, like at the main gym, when I could see half the people I went to freaking high school with, because I'm still where I grew up. Right. And, and look, I, I love humans and I love people that's all good and all fine and dandy, but like the more self-aware I become, I have to remove myself from a lot of people um, because of my addictive personality, because I love, you know, people love having fun and, and, you know, doing all that. But like, 
fun and fulfillment are two totally different things. Like yeah. fun can fade away. And again, you still have to live with yourself. Like true fulfillment, you go to bed at night like, man, I can't wait to get up and, and, and run 15 miles and get to the top of that mountain and see the beauty that God's blessed us with, right? Like my, my whole thing right now is just chasing my God-given potential, whether that's running 100 miles at, at one point, whether that, I, I don't know what that looks like, but instead of me telling people what to do, like I just want to live a life that shows them how to do it. Yeah, man, right? it's called being a free man. Yep. Being a yeah. free man. Everybody talks about fucking freedom all the time. You're talking about what it's actually like to be one. Mm -hmm. And that's why I respect you so much, man. Um, <clears throat> Cause this isn't talk. And, and I, I have seen you bounce around. You can definitely talk bro, with them, bro. Hey, I can pull my shoes off right now and show you blisters, bro. Like if that's, if that's where we want to take it. Right. Like, um, and, and the thing is, is it's really, how do you associate something that appears to be negative to actually be positive as well? Like when I first started running and I was looking down at my feet and I'm like, holy shit, man, this like my feet are sent like these blisters. That shit hurts. And then I was like, yo, this is just the pain before the callus. Right. Like and, and then I associated these the, the callus that's going to happen on my feet. I'm like, that's what's going on in my mind. Mm. I'm callousing my mind. And so I had to take this thing that appeared to be negative and hurt and, and repurpose it. So that I could say, it's a good thing. This is just physically showing up in your feet. You can't see what's going on upstairs, man. Just wait until those blisters callous over. Your mind will be, you own it. It's calloused. Nothing, like, dude, bad shit's going to happen to everybody. I don't want it to derail me because I know what the old Trevor derailed could do. And I and I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Throw whatever you want to throw at me, dude. Like we had a hell of a year this last year where it was like, dang, sometimes sometimes progress looks like taking a step backwards. Right. Um, and and I think that that's why a lot of people don't make progress is because they're not willing to take a step backwards from, you know, their current financial situation. Maybe to make a little bit less to invest in their business, take a step back from their old friends or, the, you know, the people that they used to hang out with or their old environments. Um, or the old version of themselves in order to try to create a new version of themselves. Like all progress starts with taking a step backwards. You have to figure out what you're willing to give up. You've got to give up something that you currently have in order to create an opportunity for something greater later. Right. And so, and I think that everybody just evaluates what they want more of, more of, more of what's the exchange. <laughs> will, will, will you, will you get more of that because you're going to get less sleep? You're going to get more of that because you hang out less. You're going to get more of that because you don't watch TV anymore. Like, like I, I, I don't, I don't watch sports anymore because it just doesn't have any. And dude, like I was at Thanksgiving with, with the in-laws and hearing the statistics and, Oh, you know, so-and-so I heard that there's stuff going on on the defensive side and they might get a new coach and some players are, and I'm just like, Literally, I, I was reading my book, like with my fucking yellow highlighter while they're sitting there doing that. And I was like thinking like, God damn, man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. You know, I don't I don't want I don't want to talk about somebody's life in terms of what's going on in the locker room of something that just has no bearing. You're never going to play. Dude, you're the man in the arena of your own life, dude. Focus on that. Like, that's the most important thing in the entire world. 
and don't talk about like, you know, fitness is important. Like dude, there's, there's so many people that I see that are like half ass out of shape or, you know, financially not doing like they, they, they say all the right fucking things, but they're not really actually living it, man. And look, dude, we've gone through tur turmoil and it's how you handle turmoil that determines where you really end up. Like you, you have to have that friction for growth. We had to go through issues in business in order to see where we lacked and see where we were weak so that we can have an opportunity to ever hit nine. An eight figure business model is not built for a nine figure one. You know what I mean? Like a six figure business model is not built for seven. So you have to reorganize and then seven figures not built for the eight. And like you'll reorganize a few different times. We went from, you know, a staff of 45 to whittling. I'm not saying that we whittled it down to eight, but we only have about eight left. You know, the people that are in your life right now that got you where you are might not be the people that get you where you want to go. You know, whether that's the individuals you surround yourself with, whether that's the employees that you have in your business, it really doesn't matter. It's just like, dude, you have to in order to shed the old version of yourself or the old life, 80 percent of the people that you used to hang out with have to go. 80 percent of the environments that you used to kick it in have to go. 80% of your habits or routines that got you where they have to go. In other words, you've got to increase, right? The whole purpose is to shed the old version of ourselves. And you can't do that doing the same thing over and over and over. You have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing right now difficult and actually challenging me? Or am I just going through the, 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 uh, the motions? Uh, because at one point it was, we give ourselves credit, like maybe at one point, you know, lifting and going for the walk was hard. Like it took discipline to do that. That version of me, it was difficult. But after six months, it's no longer difficult. I'm at the ceiling of my potential there. And so I have to be, I have to keep it real audit self and say, is this difficult anymore? Am I really making progress? Am I really growing anymore? The answer was no. So I had to figure out and, and, and look, man, like people, some, some people say don't compare yourself to other people because it's the thief of joy. Da, 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 da. Look, man, if you're not willing to do the work, it absolutely is the thief of joy. If you compare yourself to somebody and you're like, man, David Goggins, dude, he runs da, 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 like and you know, you'll never do it. It might steal your joy where you feel less than when I can look at a dude like that. And I'm like, OK, he's a man. He's extremely disciplined. He shows up every day consistently. Am I willing to do that? And if the answer is yes, comparing yourself to people can be inspiring. Yes. Right. I he's inspiring me because he's showing me what's possible as a human being, because I'm willing to do the work. When you're not willing to do it. Yes. It's still like, you know, if somebody loses 100 pounds, it can inspire another person to lose 100 pounds or the other person could be like, oh, yeah, they're just so cocky. They think that they know it all now because they're not wanting to do the work. Right. So it's 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 up to the individual and their willingness to actually put themselves in those situations to win at a high, high level. And you can look at other people and you could tear them down or say that they're lucky or they're this or they're that. Or you can say. What what are what are a couple of the key points that make the individual who they are? Discipline and consistency is really the two ones that that I come to. And I say. I, I have a very addictive personality, so I could be very, very disciplined and I, I can show up consistently. And so I had to evaluate what these people, these humans are doing out there in the world and ask myself, can I maybe do that? Like if I was willing to put in five years, 10 years, 15 years. 
when you're truly fulfilled, you don't need instant gratification anymore. You're playing a much longer game. And you know, and that was that was the whole way that <clears throat> when I mentioned earlier, we had friction. I had never met you before. You're sitting in a chair, or I am, I can't remember which. It's it's at a restaurant where we're getting ready to have dinner. I just joined this um, you know, higher cost mastermind, mastermind group mastermind, in, a, yeah. in a state that I had never been in before. And I walk up and I'm being Mr. Friendly and I'm like, hey, man, it's so nice to meet you. I'm glad we're a part of this. And um, I said something to the effect of, uh, you know, we're going to do great things or something. And you looked at me square in the eyes with no smile and you go, we'll see. And that's the friction because I was like, you know who the fuck I am? I'm Chris Whitehead, man. When I just say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. And good where we became friends is because. I heard a couple critical things and I said, what if I applied that to my life? I mean, I'm paying to be here to apply stuff to my life yeah. instead of just glossing over it and rubbing elbows with all the successful people. What if I just did it? And as I started to do that, it's amazing how our friendship got a little better. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, average people. Hey, high achievers, high achievers hate average people, bro. So when you're actually, you know, two people cut from the same cloth doing the work, man, you know, yeah. like the respect levels there, like, dude, I talk shit. It just, it just is what it is. You don't, I mean, I would say more often than not, like people that absolutely don't know, like I'm saying like remove the podcast, social, whatever, they, they don't know me the first like few, they hate me. <laughs> you know, like I, I've been told that I mean, dude, the first time I played softball against you. The funniest thing is you're one of the nicest, right? you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. It's it's I mean, I'm serious, dude. You will go to the ends of the earth for the people that you love, but it's just that was and, and maybe it's a little bit of a like, hey man, I, I'm keeping my circle the way I'm keeping my circle, and I have certain standards by which well, I live my life. Five defense if you want to get in, you know what I mean? The fence is high though. That means you're going to have to do a little bit of work to get on this side of the fence. Um, but once you're on that side of the fence, man, you're my people, right? Like, and that's just really what it comes down to. And so um, I do. It's okay. It's okay to rub people the wrong way. Like yeah. every, that, that's the problem is everybody wants to people please and say the right thing and da, 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 you know, and then they, they sacrifice self for everybody else, you know, hoping that um, everybody likes them. <laughs> You know, I, I don't need that. I don't need everybody to like me. I need I I, I need me to like me. Yeah. You know, um, I need I need my my kids too. I need my wife too, obviously. Um, and the people that I love and, and, and care about, but at the same time, you know, if they're not of growth, they probably won't like me. That's uh that has definitely been my experience personally as well as with you. Hey man, um I really want to get you back on here. Um, and I want to get you back on here after you do your century because I know it's coming. Oh yeah, um, if you're I, mean, I, I don't know if Danny Blue listens to his podcast, but he ran he ran 50 miles uh, like a month and a half ago, and I need to pick a, a day that I got time. He ran 50 miles, so he's got that on me. You know, the first I got is 38, um, and yeah, I've ran 30 a few different times since. So then. I was talking to him in the background, and he was like, "Dude, Trevor kicked my ass, and I just bonked out." And I, he's like, "But." Now I'm starting to learn about nutrition. So that's what's good. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. Like, I don't, I'm stubborn, bro. Like, I, I, I'll go out and run 15 miles with no supplements or no water. Just to no electrolytes, no nothing, nothing. 
just just to put my body through complete misery so that it actually starts breaking down and simulating like I'm on mile 30 or 35 mm -hmm. because I have to create a simulation without having to have to run for eight hours. Yeah. Right. Like the, the other week I put on a, a, a 20 pound bass and ran seven miles and I was running up hills. Right. And so that I was simulating that I was deeper into the run that I really was exhausting my legs quicker. Right. And so but my like the nutrition and doing this, that, the other, like when it's game time, I'll be out there like taking some of the subs or this, that, the other to kind of help. Um, but I probably need to do better with uh, the supplement. I just enjoy the misery. I enjoy the pain. I want to see it and I want to see it very quickly. But he ran 50. I haven't done that yet. So I need to find a day quietly to run 51. And then <laughs> why? Because if I do that, I know he'll go out there and do 55. Six, and then guess what? He's going to raise the ceiling for me too. And, and those are the type mm -hmm. of dogs that I run with, right? That was probably, you dropped a lot in this show, but that probably was the clue of the clues right there. I'm telling you, everybody hears me say alignment is greater than assignment. Bro, when you align yourself with the right people, they do inspire you and you find yourself getting to that place. And go, what the hell? How'd that happen? Well, it happened like this, bro. We were actually um, in Texas at an event, and it was his birthday. And he says, dude, you coming out with us tonight? I said, fuck no. I don't go out, bro. I said, I don't even go out for my own birthday, so don't ask me to go out for yours, dog. <laughs> I said, you know what I did for my birthday? I ran. And I said, if you, if you want to run with me, bro, let's Google the nearest gym. We were at lunch. Literally had him go back to the event, right? And... Uh, I said, strap up, bro. There, there's a gym a couple miles down the street. Let's just run to it. Let's go. Let's go work out. So he's like, dude, I'm down. And we he strapped up. We ran there. You know, I could tell he was already like pouring. It was like 84 degrees humidity, like through the roof um, in Texas. Right. And so and that was in June. So hot, humid, whatever. Um, we get there and he goes to a pull up bar. He's like, all right, let's do three sets of 10. I laughed in his face. I said, you mean 10 sets of 10? I ain't touching that bar unless we're doing 100 pull-ups, bro. And so I made him do 100 pull-ups. <laughs> made him run back, too. We got an Uber back. You know, <laughs> like, he never ran. He never did 100 pull-ups. Like, right. back, right? Because we were trying to get back to the event. The cool thing about it, the next day, David Goggins was speaking at a lunch. And I said, bro, we can go hear somebody talk about what they do. And talk about how they live and inspire other people, or we can go hit the streets right now and go get our own five miles in real quick. And he says, I'm down. Mm. So we left. We didn't want to go hear about what somebody else is doing with their life that's awesome and that's cool. Literally, the guy just runs very, very far distances and he's super disciplined and consistent, yet people want to sit there and listen to what he's got to say. Why would I want to do that when I can actually just go emulate it and I can go actually live it? And, and he was down. He kept saying yes. Right. And so I was like, good. He's stupid. Like I found, a stu I found, I, I found another me. You know? uh, and so we went out and we ran five miles together. And I said, bro, I'm going to run 38 miles for my 38th birthday here in the next six weeks. You down? He says, I'm down. And so he started training and he came out there and he did it. And then ever since then, you know, we go and, and dude, he says, Bro, thank you so much for introducing long distance run. Like my mind is is sharper. My life is better. Everything has enhanced because I know no other way to get control of the mind besides putting it in an environment 
to where it's screaming at you, but yet you continue to press forward. And then when you're doing things that you've never done before, you feel a sense of accomplishment and pride in self. When's the last time you did something that even surprised you? It's very rare that we have those opportunities unless we create these environments. We're always looking for some big accomplishment to feel satisfied. We can do that every single week. We can go put ourselves in a situation to accomplish something big, cool, and crazy every single week if we want. And that's where true fulfillment comes uh, comes from. And so um, ever since that, man, it was uh, – he just loves me yelling at him out there on the runs, dude. Like, dude, we were, we were still having coaching calls at the time, and he said, Chris – I hit this wall, man. And he said, everything that happened after that, he goes, I don't know what's happening to my mind right now. Now, this was pre-38 miles for Danny. This was <laughs> this was like maybe around seven or eight miles. Yeah. He was just getting, or maybe 15. He was just getting into like... Some deeper distance. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, I can't go any further. And that's when I started, I'm reading all these books right now and I'm learning about supplements and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, that's what I need. But he was on fire with what was happening to his mindset. Mm -hmm. And that was the dude, the introduction, like I've done 75 hard numerous times now. And the first time I did it, it was novel. It was great. The second time I did it, I literally asked myself, I dropped off some of those habits. I want to do it this time. And I want to set these habits for the rest of my life. Because otherwise, this is a boring, horrible experience of nothingness because it's just going to wear off. Well, and that's what's inspiring about what you're saying, bro. You just you you won't let it stop. You just nope here, here. And then you're going to find people to put around you that make sure that you insulate that with that emote with a moat, you know? Yeah. Well, it got to the point where I would hear people talk about 70. Yeah, I did that. Like people coming in these success groups. Yeah, I did. Man, it felt great. Like I, my mind was clear. My da, 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 da. And I'm like. Okay, well, why aren't you doing it? Doing it now, right? Yeah, like, so you're telling me you found a, a, a spot where you were operating at your peak and you felt great about yourself and then you let up? Like, it made zero sense to me. What Why do people do 75? They get in a dark spot and they know they need to change. They need to do something difficult. So they do it to get out of a dark place. And now they're out of a dark place after 75 days and they feel great. So they got what they wanted out of the hole. So they stopped doing everything that they did to get them out of the hole. And then right back and then the guess hole. what? Six months later, I'm doing 75 hard again. Yo-yo type life. I'm done living a yo-yo life doing things when, when I hit a low. I don't want to hit lows anymore, bro. I want to hit new highs, you know, sure. and I don't want to stop. Hey, man. Um, you guys have a pretty kick-ass podcast. Uh, will you tell everybody the easiest way to find you for that podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, anywhere like iTunes podcast, Spotify podcast, just you can Google it. Google real business owners. There's tons of information about us over the last four years. We've been blessed to have a, you know, a decent size audience. Um, I think we're pushing like 1.4 million downloads in like the three and a half years that we've had it. Um, you know, recently was told that Joe Rogan recommended a kid to the pot. Like that's just oh shit, that's awesome. Ab that's absolutely just insane. Um, to and know if that people are interested in looking at your uh, mastermind. How do they yeah, well, we open that up. We open up. There's two tiers. We have our inner circle. Um, yep. You know, it's a couple hundred bucks a month to join that. Just a couple calls each month, and then the uh, real business owners mastermind where we meet up four times a year. 
Um, we open that up for applications in January and June. Um, I'm trying to build a, a, a family of entrepreneurs. Like we joined the RTA syndicate and it was capped at 100 people. I've seen masterminds blow up and the special, like what was made it special dissipates. Yeah. Right. And so um, for me, like, I want to keep it special and I want to, I want to create a family that I can lean on to and people that I have to surround myself with. And I don't want the, like the wrong people. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. an application only. Then we do a phone call interview uh, and, and we're selective. Like we put applications off to the side where people want to come in. I'm like, dude, that person's a taker. Hell no. They're, I don't want them in. They're just going to pitch, 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 pitch. We need givers and people to serve so that everybody's getting taken care of. And so we open that up in, in January for applications. That doesn't mean somebody will get approved, but we do fun stuff. The, the last one in, in Laguna, we rented a yacht for $25,000, had a piano guy on there, had it catered, went up uh, from uh, uh, Orange County all the way up to, or uh, Laguna Beach, all the way up to Newport Beach, just kind of sell. We've done helicopter rides one day. You know, we we bring in uh, awesome speakers, all that good stuff. So it's uh, w w if you're looking for an, uh, a family, <laughs> You know, really, that's that's what we wanted. And they said, you know, if it's missing, then build it. Right. And so we we missed what we had with the RTA syndicate when we were paying six grand a month being around our our hundred brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and the accelerator beneath it was a couple hundred bucks a month. So we're just literally copying now uh, because it doesn't exist anymore. And we were hoping somebody would do that and put a cap on it and not make it just about money uh, because we have businesses that make us a lot of money. So yes, this can make us a couple bucks, but the first two years we won't make any money. We've, we've The last event in Laguna cost us over a hundred thousand dollars, right? It, on average, it was like $4,000 per head, you know, on a member. So we put a lot back into it just to create an experience uh, and, and, and we know that if we do the right thing for a couple of years, beautiful things will happen. So, dude, thank you so much for taking time to be on this uh, podcast with me. You have dropped some really valuable information and, um, yeah, you too, brother. It's always good to see you, man. It's so good to see you, dude. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get my ass out there and get on your podcast and we do, we need to do bro yeah. hug. What yeah. I know I need to do is um, I need to put a few miles on because there is no way I'm coming to see you and we're not going for a run. <laughs> well, I'd love to take you out by kind of uh, it's right by my new house, uh, Zion's National Park. That's a beautiful setting to go run in, man. Um, there's nothing more pretty. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, you know, create that environment for myself to to be able to want to go run. Right. Yeah, man. Well, take care, everybody. We'll see you in the trenches. And uh, Trev, God bless you, brother. Likewise. Hey friend, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to catch future casts. If you really enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it so others can benefit from it as well. I'll see you in the trenches.